Chuck is a podcast featuring active service members discussing thoughts and opinions on various issues surrounding military life, current events, and issues. The statements heard here are the opinions of its members and guests. These do not necessarily reflect the views of our events and are not endorsed or sponsored in any way. Listener, you are discussion advice. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pit Talk, pulling pits and opinions with your host, Gunny G. Uh, we're back after a week break with a special guest. But before we get there, follow, like, subscribe, everywhere get your podcasts and on social media platforms. Uh, not TikTok because that's an onion appeal for sure. But everywhere else, I'm pretty pretty snazzy on it. Uh, hit the like, follow, or subscribe. DM me. Constructive criticism is great. I appreciate it. If not, uh, listen to it anyways. Good gouge. Uh, today we got a special guest by the name of Abraham Thompson. I would I would say I'm going to call him by Abe, if that's okay with you, Mister Abe. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Hey, I want you to know that the beard is a good look for you. Too bad you didn't have a no shave chair while you were in. You would have been, you would have, it's been a good, good look for you, dog. Um, but anyways, go ahead and uh, share a little bit about yourself and then uh, where you've been at, what you're doing now, what duty stations you, you know, got under your belt, things like that. Okay. Well, uh, thanks Israel for uh, having me on here or Gunny G. Um appreciate you uh reaching out to me and and you know inviting me to be on the podcast so as far as who i am um abraham thompson i'll be it'll 24 years um you know uh worked through all facets of the marine corps but i primarily came in as a ground communication individual uh and then from there you know found a way to kind of turn my career into or something that I like doing as far as serving into a career and decided to go the first sergeant route just based off of my personal beliefs and, and, and being a part of the organization and what it was doing for me and what it has done for me. Uh, so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. You know, um, I had a great life in the Marine Corps. That's dope. That's dope. Can't, can't complain about it. Do me a favor. Uh, do me a favor, Avery, if you can drop the camera just a little bit down. There it is right there. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. So hey, where can you tell okay. the listeners? Um, don't worry, I'll edit that out, no big deal. Uh can you tell the listeners where uh where we met at and uh you know what duty station we were at, what uh, unit? Okay, so uh yeah, we met uh if I remember correctly, somewhere around twenty twenty uh two, twenty three ish. It had to be twenty 22 or 2021 actually yeah, 21, um, yeah. in Hawaii serving with uh, Marine Corps Base Hawaii uh, you came in after kind of some turnover in the IPAC if I remember correctly and man uh, you and I had another gunny come in right around the same time but I think we, we kind of just clicked uh, I know there was times I would reach out to you for <laughs> it was kind of hard getting things done through <laughs> that particular section. And I know there was times when I would reach out to you directly, maybe not necessarily the way to do things, but I, I felt like 
if, if I needed support from you and, and things that didn't detract from the function of the bass too much, you would always help me out. And I, I did not do that to kind of undermine anybody, but it, you know, it, the balance of, of being a Marine and functioning in your MOS and doing things that the institution required was, was always the hard part with, um, just any unit, any unit, you know, any unit that you go a part of, there there were organizational responsibilities and then there were occupational responsibilities. And, and that's where a lot of people kind of, you know, struggled with, with uh, mm. accepting or, you know, the senior leadership didn't do a good job of explaining the importance of the why. Uh, mm, oh, boy. But yeah, we met in Hawaii and, you know, that, that was... That was a uh, interesting time, but I, I appreciated that experience because I got to see the installation side of the house. Um, as I stated earlier, I kind of tailored my career to be multifaceted. So the installation side was never a portion that I looked at. However, it allowed me to see the, the, the business side of the Marine Corps and another place that I, I also saw that was on recruiting duty, seeing the business side of the Marine Corps. But it's always good to see those peaks behind the curtain. Mm, that's good. It so is, I, I think that answers your question if I didn't go off too much on a tangent. No, that's good. That's good. Um, it's Some Marines have an, uh, an issue with organizational and occupational. They're kind of separate. And it it's kind of co- – it's co-aligned to to make to make mission and to meet the operational uh, you know goals of the commander's intent so but either way uh that, that's a good point that's a good point because i know ipac at pipe ipacians right the marines and officers of the ipac they they do this sometimes right and that's not necessarily a good thing because we got to get yeah. rid of this and put back this to meet whatever the mission of the marine corps is right I do agree with you there. Uh, before we get there, though, let's let's talk about yeah. uh, one of the some of the challenges you face at the duty station. I know that specifically after Hawaii, but uh, you know, from Hawaii going on to retirement, what what uh, what got you to that point, and what challenges did you face there? Okay, so after Hawaii, uh, ended up going back to First Marine Division, and I I had served in the division before and my previous experience in division kind of left me feeling like I could have done more. Uh, you know, I, I won't say I was a fish out of water, but I, I don't think I, I didn't get like all the combat experience that I wanted. I didn't necessarily, you know, get uh, to do a lot of the things that I personally wanted to do. So I decided to go back to the division Um and when I had the opportunity, I reached out to the monitor, ended up back in 1st Marine Division, and ended up with an independent battalion, which my previous experience also with 1st Marine Division was at an independent battalion. So I, I did time with tracks back in the early 2000s, and then I also ended up with a combat engineer battalion. Now, my, as far as my reasoning for getting out, when I got to this unit, I, I started noticing back my previous statement when I said that there's institutional requirements, 
and there's occupational or organizational requirements and occupational requirements. And I felt like there was a serious gap between those two things. Hmm. My biggest flaw to this day is I am not good at sugarcoating things. <laughs> I see something that isn't the way it is, I, I will let you know. I will let you know. I've never been the type of person to be able to smooth things over <laughs> when, when, if you ask me a question, I will give you the unfiltered truth. <laughs> so, you know, through merit, many conversations with my senior leadership, and to include my SAR major and my commanding officer, I, I would, it, it came off as I was complaining. Right. And I understand that. But I also felt like I was not getting the support that I needed to make those changes in my own company and around the battalion. Uh, amongst all that, I felt like there was a gap in who was being held accountable for the deficiencies. And it, it always felt like it was a large percentage of the time it was the first sergeant. And so, you know, we're trying to bridge the gap of, hey, being a Marine is not just an occupation. It is a lifestyle. Trying to understand the younger generation and how to help them to understand that, you know, so you could buy the com commitment, continue to, the service after the sale, we called it, in recruiting duty. Mm. Right? So, to, hey, keep them continuing the transformation. Now, the Marine Corps, you'll see it every every few years. They try to find a way to bridge that gap. Now it's the, you know, barracks crisis. Before it was kind of the, the, the no shaving and all that. You've seen them try to go through these generational changes to be more accommodating. But I still have a belief that we're a warfighting organization. Um my leadership at the time, like I said, I, I feel like I wasn't getting the support. Matter of fact, uh, the the individual that probably drove me the most to retiring, he was more about, you know, making people happy and, you know, shaking hands. And he was a real people person. He was a real people person. But being a people person didn't always get the job done hmm. it didn't let somebody know when they were deficient right and i will only speak on my experience that the 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 primary reason why i knew i was going to retire i sat down multiple times with my star major and i had conversations and i said where am i deficient what am i not doing well what am i you know what are my areas to improve hey, on numerous occasions Hey, man, just keep doing what you're doing, and you're doing fine. Everything's okay. And I'm like, okay, so I'm doing good. Mm. I'm doing good. Then there became an, an incident happened. Uh, my boss, the night before, we were supposed to go to Bridgeport. 113 Marines were supposed to go to Bridgeport. 112 went up to Bridgeport for cold weather training. That's an unusual training event for an entire engineer company, first off. So normally they'll send a platoon squad not an entire company. So we were doing something new and different. Now, again, my boss gets relieved that I'm talking hours. At, at 1900, he calls me the night before we were supposed to leave at 04 in the next morning, right? 
calls me, says, hey, I'm not going to Bridgeport. I just got relieved. I said, okay. You know, the star major calls me, the commander calls me and says, hey, you know, we're kind of concerned. Actually, I stand corrected. They didn't call me. They met us at the transport spot the next morning, talked to me, hey, really need you to hold the company together, et cetera, et cetera. Didn't express any concerns in my ability to motivate, lead the Marines, and the executive officer now is now the company commander. I didn't tell you this before, so some of this might. Sorry. It's all good. Um, so me and the executive officer, fantastic guy, fantastic relationship, still talk to him to this day, think he's going to be a commanding general. We go to Bridgeport, uh, two-week training package, absolutely kill it. Before, backstory on Bridgeport, there was a previous unit that went up there and had over 100 cold-related injuries, right? We went up, executed flawlessly. The only issues we ran into were vehicles breaking down. No fault of our own, but they broke down, right? So we executed the training flawlessly. When we needed to make adjustments, we made adjustments. The battalion CO and the SAR major came out there, saw us training, and had nothing but praises for us. So I, we get back from Bridgeport, and I'm like, this went well. Everybody is happy with our company. When I say we are the forefront of the battalion, we're doing everything right. Everybody is like, oh, my goodness, we need to be able to compete with this company. Time comes for the fit rep discussion. So we start talking about who's going to do who's fit reps. My, we get a new company commander at this point. My sergeant major, my new company commander, my XO, and the battalion XO all sit in the room and we're discussing who's going to do who's fit reps because obviously the company commander had gotten relieved. Uh, <clears throat> go around the table, everybody talks, yada, yada, yada. Everybody's figured out, and then it comes to me. And, you know, there's a discussion, and they said, well, who's going to do your fit rep? And the XO says, the battalion XO, battalion XO says, I'll do his fit rep because we want to make sure he gets a fair evaluation. Then follows it up with words of, quote, I have a robust profile. I will make sure you are competitive for promotion. That's what she says to me. So I have no concerns of not having a good report. There's no indication of any issue. And again, during this time, I'm also talking to the star major asking, hey, what do I need to do to improve? What do I need to do to improve? Are there times I'm stressed and worried about things? Yes, but that comes with the job, right? But I'm also frustrated with some of the lack of discipline I see around the battalion and the people that are getting held accountable that, you know, we we continue to get held accountable, but we're the only ones that are getting held accountable, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, and I'm not trying to make this sound like there was no... uh, I have a role in this as well. I, I, I accept and I own that I have my own deficiencies that probably needed to be addressed. Well, not probably. They definitely needed to be addressed, right? Um, but I say all that to say the fit rep goes in the system. And now, mind you, there, I, I make it my job 
to be informed. You, you, I think it's fair to say, you know, that if somebody tells me something, I'm going to research it and I'm going to make sure that I'm informed when I speak on something. So I didn't put two and two together, but the fit rep hits the system. I didn't look at it because I'm not necessarily one of those people that chases fit reps or what have you. But um, my sergeant major comes to me after uh, maybe a couple of days and says, um, just out of the blue, out of the blue, hey, me and the boss been talking, and uh, we think you should write a letter to the board. Board's coming up in November. This is like July, August time frame, July, August, September time frame. Then from there, I'm like, huh? Why would I write a letter? I, I literally said to him, why would I write a letter to the board? This is, you know, that would be to address a discrepancy. I have zero discrepancies in my record. I have no negative paperwork. I have no cause for concern. So I'm, I'm being led to believe that, you know, I, I have an outstanding fit rep. Uh, so then my fit rep hits and it's an 84 so when you talk about cumulative and relative value, I look at the EXO's profile. She's written four fit reps. She told me she had a robust profile, and she made me an 84 in a combat arms MOS. And this is a conversation I had with the SAR major after the fit rep hit. I was like, in a combat arms MOS, an 84 is a death sentence for a first sergeant. I am not competitive for promotion. And then he says to me through much, much discussion where I was like, explain to me where I failed. Explain to me where I failed. And he's like, oh, it's not just the number. And I said, bull crap, you know, as well as I do, people look at that number. That is the first thing that they are going to be attracted to. It's not the comment. Okay. They, they are going to look at my profile and go, why did he get an 84 in a combat arms MOS in an independent battalion? And then he says to me, and this is when I knew I was done. Well, you don't have the ability to, to, uh, I, let me, man, it hit me so hard. He said, you don't have the ability to influence people. <laughs> and I was just like, when did this come about? When did that come about? Right? Like you explained to me and I broke it down. Like, like with receipts, I was like, explain to me when I don't have, the, when did I, when was this determination made that I don't have the ability to influence people? And I was just like, you know what? I, in my mind, subconsciously, like, I, I just said, like, at that moment, like, yep, that, that is when I know I am no longer of value to the institution. If, if my senior leadership, the person that's supposed to be mentoring me, and guiding me told me that I don't have the ability to influence people. I can only imagine what the other Marines think. Right. And then I started it. So that hit me. I didn't necessarily drop my paperwork at that time, but then I started questioning. I found myself driving to work and questioning, like, what am I going to do today? You know, and, and what is, is it going to have any value? Is it going to have any impact? Are the Marines going to see me, as somebody that they want to be like. Hmm. And as I started having more and more of those days, I got a 30 minute drive to work. I, I, I just started telling my wife, I found myself going home and telling my wife more and more, Hey, I, I, I'm done. I want to retire. And she's like, you know, stick around for one more look, stick around, you know, it's just this unit. And, and there was just way too many days and times where I just started feeling like the Marines are seeing me. And they're they're seeing through the 
the bull crap. Like I can't fake motivation. I told you earlier, like I can't, I, I can't fake it. Like I, I motivate myself. Hey. Yeah. Sorry. That's okay. So I, I'm sorry. I think I lost you for a second. So I, I tell I tell I motivate myself internally. I, I told myself a long time ago, you know, as a staff NCO, whenever you walk through a doorway, you need to put a smile on your face and you need to be positive driving towards the mission. You need to be motivating those Marines because if you don't, how are they going to do it? Yeah. And so as that, as that was happening, um, and that's why I said in the text, the end of the text, you know, I, I couldn't be the duck anymore. I couldn't be, you know, the, the one, the legs under the water kicking like crazy, trying to stay afloat and, and acting like nothing on top. Like I'm just coasting along. So I went in to my SAR major. Uh, this was like September. Ironically, I think it was September 27th, which was the same day I went to MEPS back in 1999. <laughs> and um, I um. went in and I, I, I gave my Sergeant major my paperwork and he, he was like, you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yup, like not even a, not even a, a discussion. And he, he ran it through and that was like, I, it, it was late in the week. And then by like the Tuesday, the next week I had my, my, uh, approved retirement date. I sat on it for a few months as you saw. And then in, in like Facebook after the selection list came out, uh, which I was still kind of hopeful for, um, I didn't get selected and I was like, well, yep. Hey, I can tell everybody now I'm, I'm retiring. Like, and, and then from there, I just started planning my transition. I, you know, I had hip surgery, uh, in December, like something that I, I had hip issues. Even when I was in Hawaii, I had hip and back issues unaddressed since like, uh, man, I was doing my medical records. Like 2009, I was going to get seen for my hip. I had a torn labrum since 2009 and I got surgery for it in 20, <laughs> 23 the end of 2023 wow um so like you know check engine light was also on in the car for a long time and i i put those I, you know they this one little issue here came up this one little issue here and i put all those things on the back burner and it, you know I, I just made the decision to start focusing on me and that's what i've been doing yeah uh, i'd so, say yeah that's how i decided to exit the marine corps that's uh i don't that, have the ability to influence people <laughs> That's rough. I'd say, well, hey, but so personally and professionally, man, it sounds like it did affect you a little bit. Can you tell me, maybe put something tangible on it personally and professionally? How did it affect your family at home? You know, obviously you touched on it a little bit about professionally, like, hey, I can't fake it till I make it. This is what it is. Hey, put something on there so that the, you know, the listeners, hey, hey, you know, this is what's going on. So personally, um, the decision to retire, I think it it's, scared me initially. It scared me because this was all I knew since 18, you know, and, and I was, uh, it's like buying an Apple product. I bought one Apple product, bought another one. I was tied into the machine, hmm. you know, and, and I, it, I, it was, I was heavily dependent on the Marine Corps being my identity. I, it, it was heavy. I was heavily dependent on that because once you exit, Nobody knows your first Sergeant Thompson. No one cares. No one cares. Right? Like, dude, once I leave the Marine Corps, it'll be five minutes before somebody goes, 
what was his name again? Um, ah, uh, man, you know that guy. He used to run real fast. Oh man, he was he was you know whatever whatever they say about you. Five minutes, five minutes. When your name drops off that morning report, that's it, that's it. So, I I was heavily dependent on the Marine Corps being my identity, and um, I was scared about like just doing it without having a plan. But once I submitted my paperwork, man, I I that fear went away, and I I began became focused on just transitioning out the Marine Corps. And that, that was it. Like the only worry I have right now, I'm like, man, the economy is terrible to buy a house. That's it. That's my only worry. Like financially we're doing okay. I have a retirement pension, which, you know, most companies don't do nowadays. 401k is the way everybody's going, even with the blended retirement system, the Marine Corps, the military is going that way. So, you know, luckily I'm, I'm part of the high three, uh, the old retirement policy. So, that the personal piece was just like, man, I, who am I going to be without the Marine Corps? Yeah. And I kind of found my track where I, you know, I'm like, okay, well, what do I like to do? I like technology. I'm interested in Tesla as a company. I also like, because of the Marine Corps, I, I got really uh, interested in like law and how it's developed and how policies are created. Uh, I always considered that one of my strong points, especially as bad as it sounds. Whenever it came to, you know, NJPs, I always made sure that the Marines were adjudicated under the proper policies. That is a that that is a serious deficiency in the Marine Corps in the eighty nine ninety nine world. We we're so quick to blanket statement charge people. And when you read into these like policies of how charges and what the charges and what the statutes are, Marines could fight those all day, every day, every day. Because most times it's something I sidetrack, something that I've noticed, Marines aren't necessarily found not guilty because they're not guilty. Usually it's a procedural issue why Marines or individuals beat cases. And that's what a lot of young Marines don't understand. It's like you'll say you'll hear all these crazy cases that happen, and I'm not going to go too much into it. But yes, procedural issues are the problem, and it starts at the 89-99 level when they develop these charges and they don't understand it. Anyways, I got interested in law, so that's why I I've decided I I want to apply to law school. Uh, San Diego, uh, well, UC San Diego. UC San Diego is a yellow ribbon program, so I'm going to try and apply to law school. Being a veteran helps pay for it, et cetera, et cetera. So apply to Tesla, work in human resources is, is um, something that translates well based off of my experiences in the Marine Corps. Believe it or not, human resources, you look at Tesla's uh, their career uh, job description, their career on their career page when it comes to their associates. Everything I learned in recruiting duty, everything I learned, everything that you learn on recruiting duty is exactly what they're asking for outside of having a license to sell vehicles. That's it. Every like a large percentage of their job descriptions it, as a whole in any kind of managerial or supervisory role, things we learned on recruiting duty. And I know you were a recruiter. So, yeah, 
it's it's crazy. So that's that's what kind of has been my driving force, um, rediscovering myself, you know, spending time with my family, taking my kids to school, going to their soccer games or football games. Those those are the things that once I submitted my paperwork, kind of the fear left. Uh, still have some rediscovering of me to do. Like, you know, I gave up a lot of hobbies that can't really play sports anymore because, you know, check engine lights still on. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, that, that was the personal side as far as me as an individual, as far as my family goes, um, I was definitely a lot less high strung. I was a lot less high strung. Um, I'm very demanding in uniform and out of uniform. So not having to have that demanding attitude, like a large percentage of my day, I, I, I react differently and I wind down uh, a lot easier from things. And, and now, you know, I say a lot to my family or even not to my family necessarily, but to people in general, uh, when, when I, when they get high strung about stuff, I'm like, Hey, nobody's shooting at us. Calm down. Nobody's shooting at us. <laughs> That's funny, man. So, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, uh, that you you are you uh, from the very get go right from recruit training all the way till you get out after four eight ten twelve whatever it is that you do, we breed in we breed anxiety. The Marine Corps does, and there's there's no it's like you can't it just stays that way, right? And we say so high strung high tempo like, and so everything that we do is that way. And so because because of it, it's it causes stress, anxiety, depression. You know, short fused attitudes. Right it, for me too as well. You know, I had a discussion with my wife this morning and it was just like, you know what, that did, you hit the nail on the coffin, like oh, I'm high strung for a reason. And there's, you know, the Marine Corps has its play. I'm not saying it's 100 percent it, but it has its play on on how I live and, and how you and you were living. Um, I, I want to touch on it before, you know, I don't take too much of your time. I know you're a family man and, and I appreciate that because families, you know, God, family is important to me. And I'm sure family is important to you. Um, you know, you, you got to navigate difficulties, you know, you got to navigate stress, anxiety while you're in, and even in that transition, man, can you, one last, you save round for everybody, Abe, tell, tell me, tell them, you know, you spoke about, they don't quit the job, they quit the manager, right? And talk about, you know, where the specific strategies, support systems or lessons that you learned on your way out, you know, as a one last save round for those, you know, those listeners, Hey, this is what you need. Take this, put it in your toolbox, and I promise you'll be successful. Okay. Um, so the people quit their managers. They don't quit the organizations. That's something I've been learning uh, going through my HR programming. And, and that's 100% true. A lot, first of all, the Marine Corps only tries to retain about 20% of first-termers, right? And, and we're okay with the 80% going out uh, because most of them are short-term, can't see the big-picture future. Most of them, most of them, not all of them. And a lot of them are frustrated with their junior levels of leadership. We are not invested enough in educating the current junior levels of leadership. When I say that, I mean the corporals and sergeants, okay? Uh, I think that we, we, we are trying to use the old school, traditional educating individuals, but we're not really... The Marine Corps is moving at such a fast pace trying to be combat ready. We're forgetting to educate them 
in, in how to be Marines, the lower level leadership. So you see a lot of mistakes happen at lower levels of leadership and in the junior staff and field ranks as well that that should not be happening, but we're trying to right that ship, trying to right that ship, have been trying to right that ship. I mean, look at the corporal's course curriculum. It's, it's, it's over 15 years old, if I remember right. Like, it's, it's old, old. They wow. just put in the, like, I want to say a couple of years ago, they just put in the, maybe it was last year, uh, they just put in the JPEZ uh, addendum to the curriculum. We've been on JPEZ for four or five years, four years, five years. I can't remember how long, but it was just included last year or maybe the year before. So those are things. I think the Marine Corps is uh, lacking on. And for the listeners, if I could say any piece of advice uh, as far as what's going to help you be successful in your career, I don't know if there's one answer, but I will tell you, educate yourself. Educate yourself on the institution that you belong to. Educate yourself on, you know, leading, mentoring people, and be patient with where you're at. I have the luxury of saying that because I was able to, you know, submit for retirement, but be patient with where you're at uh, because our, our leaders, we're, we're all flawed. When I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say us as leaders, we're all flawed, right? There's not enough time in the day to do everything that the Marine Corps requires us to do. And not a lot of people are good at planning, strategizing, and executing. There are people that plan and execute, right? But they forget to strategize that plan to make it all-encompassing. And you can't be all-encompassing. You have to be able to adjust. I think we just, we, we tend to tend to hear what we need to do, go do it, right? The reason that that's important is because when it comes to educating yourself, there's not a lot of time in the Marine Corps dedicated to that. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, that was always my big thing. I, I never, I never wanted to go out and say something wrong. I, I didn't want to sound uneducated. I didn't want to sound like I was just shooting from the hip because hmm. the Marines see through that. Right. So if you can spend time educating yourself and, and believe in the institution, believe in the organization, there is a purpose for the Marine Corps. There is a purpose for the Marine Corps. You just got to kind of wait out the old guard for, for it to be relevant and exposed to us again. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, for those listeners, uh, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you'll come up with your own conclusions on those. Uh, yeah, there, uh, there are some old heads that, man, that, you know, it, yeah. the, you know, the saying goes, teaching old dog new tricks, you know, sometimes that's not the case. And, but I will say that to, to your point, you know, education is important, right. In terms of what you do, how you do it, when you do it, right. It's especially as an 8999 in that community itself, it's, you don't want to be that one that just kind of shoots from the hip. Because Marines want honesty yep. and transparency. Yep. I think anybody in general wants honesty, transparency, and you know, for you taking the time to you know be honest about the catalyst that drove you to the Appendix J, uh, that transition is it's 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 healthy. It's healthy accountability in terms of you know 
we don't quit the organization. We quit the managers. And that's a, that's a, that's deep because a lot of the times you're right. Those four years, eight year guys that, you know, the Marine Corps wants to retain, they're not quitting because, you know, they just, they don't like it. They don't like the managerial skills that, that, you know, small unit leader level type of individuals. So, So that's, that's deep. If you're listening, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Can I give you one example on that? Sure, and, go ahead. and this is when I really realized Marines were leaving the, the, the leadership, not the organization, right? In the infantry, in the infantry, what they would do is, right, they do a workup for deployment. And then they come back, they deploy, they come back. After that happens, all leadership, officers, staff, NCO, leave, except for except for usually the company first sergeant, right? And then when then the gap is created, though. All platoon sergeants are gone, and then all platoon commanders are gone. You get a new XO, you get a new company commander. The only constant is the first sergeant and the corporals, not a lot of sergeants, not a lot of sergeants, right? But all the corporals. Those corporals, their experience was I had some knucklehead, freaking terrible leadership. All they did was yell at me, yell at me, yell at me, telling me I need to be better, right? The first sergeant is there trying to write the ship, trying to get them to understand. But that gap is so wide mm. between the first sergeant and the lower-level leadership. And then the junior Marines, they're like, man, all I got is this jerk corporal yelling at me, this whole time. Why do I want to stay here? So majority of them get out. Then you start the work up again. You get some decent leadership, decent leadership. Staff NCOs come in, officers come in, and you're like, okay, it's solid. The ship's right. Do the work up, do the deployment. That leadership now leaves again. But the junior Marines now get promoted to corporal. And the, the dickhead corporal is now a sergeant, right? They may be there. They may be there, maybe, if they don't leave. But that that young, young junior Marine that got promoted to corporal, all he knows how to do is be a dickhead corporal now because the only consistency he had was the dickhead corporal because the, 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 the kind of good leadership that came in oh, did a deployment and left, right? And then he gets promoted to sergeant, and then he leaves. And... We start the cycle over again. And that's all in the infantry. Every year, every year this happens. And then the Marines are like, man, the Marine Corps, us, the senior leadership, are like, I can't understand why these junior Marines don't know how to lead Marines. We literally tear away their leadership structure every 12 months in Hawaii and 18 months in, in, uh, in, on the state side in CONUS. But, and I say that 12 to 18 months, but the staff NCOs and officers during that time, during the workup, what are they doing? They're not there the whole time. They're going to schools. They're going TAD, whatever. So the only consistency that these young leaders that we're supposed to be developing is, is they get their PME, resident PME, right? Three weeks for a corporal, four weeks for sergeant. They get some stability, some stability during the workup. And then we do the workup, do the deployment, 
rip away the leadership that they have, and then they fall back to what they know, the boot camp mentality, because that is the longest period of consistent leadership that they have ever had. That's crazy. That's, that's it. Yelling at Marines, knife handing, talking down to them, expecting freaking imposing will will get the mission done and not educating them. Hmm. That's what we do. And then we're like, man, I can't understand why these Marines don't know how to lead. Every once in a while, you may get the anomaly of that one individual's like, I'm going to be better. I'm going to invest in my future. I'm going to try and be a good leader. But those are so few and far between. But that's, anyway, that's, I just wanted to share that with you. That, that, that is my personal belief of how the cycle of leadership, how we continue to try and battle trying to be better leaders. And it's, it's an uphill battle, especially that's... when we continue to tear the structure down. That's uh that's so that sounds very I'm not yelling I'm, I'm passionate about that. <laughs> there it is. That's all I was just going to say man. AB it sounds you, you know you have a passionate point of view and it's too bad too not too many people you know jump on that same bandwagon because I do agree. I think you know as staff and CEOs officers you know there's there's some disconnect with the junior marines we're always trying to bridge the gap you know what i mean that that key token term but i, I will i'll leave you with this you know i was talking to uh you know my uncle nando you know master guns hernandez i think he, he was he was out in hawaii with us too yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he was hey, um i reached out to him he was uh he told me you know there's yeah. there's to your point about quitting the organization and the managers you know right uh he was saying don't be you know there's nine dumbasses in the room don't be the 10th and unfortunately all 10 of them are the dumbasses unfortunately that's how it goes and if you're listening you just you know tune in thanks a uh, special guest to abe you know thompson hailing out of uh, cali cali uh i appreciate your service to his country you know uh it goes without being without said, you know, thank you for your service. You know, a long time is a long time, you know, educate yourself. And now you're educating yourself, uh, invest into your family, invest into your relationships. And I appreciate your service, man. And I, I got you in my toolbox. And if you ever need anything, let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, this has, uh, this has been pleasure, honor with Abe. Uh, this is Pit Talk, pulling pits and opinions with your host, Gunny G. And we out. is a podcast featuring active service members discuss their thoughts and opinions on various issues surrounding military life, current events, and issues. The statements heard here are the opinions of its members and guests. These do not necessarily reflect the views of the Department of Defense and are not endorsed or sponsored in any way. Listener, your discretion is